people know people who are scared to death to walk into a church. Mm -hmm. I mean, my sisters, I don't think that they've been in a church. I was trying to really think when the last time was that they would have been in church. Probably at least 20 to 25 years, maybe 30 years. Wow, yeah. I mean, <laughs> imagine staying away from church for 30 Sundays even. Would be really hard for me. 30 years. You know, so there's a lot of people that we see. Anyone who's not in a church today, there's a reason why they're not in a church. And very likely it's because of a couple of things. One, some misteachings that have happened in churches whereby people feel like they're going to be condemned as soon as they walk in the doors and people are going to be pointing fingers going, hey, you know what their lifestyle is? You know what mistakes they made? Or they're just people that simply uh, don't believe in anything more than themselves. And that's kind of a scary zone uh, to go through and be in. So we're going to go through and... <clears throat> You know, have some discussion. Uh, Wednesday night is going to be a follow-up night as well. And that's going to be a perfect opportunity to invite people to just kind of a round table. Uh, we have some video material, some discussion. It's not going to be like a Sunday worship service kind of service so that they can come in and feel pretty comfortable. I mean, the one thing that we have in our favor is the design of the room. We have tables already all in place. And when people ask, gee, what is your church like? It's like, well, we have all sorts of seating, whatever you feel comfortable. If you want to sit in a row, you can sit in a row. You want to sit at a big table, you can sit at a big table. You want to sit at a little table, you can sit there. You want to sit in a more comfy chair, we have that. Yes, you can have coffee. Yes, you can have stuff to eat at our church. And people sometimes find that like coming for, from a Catholic background, the idea that you would have a beverage in church or something to eat in church is like, whoa. So, you know, to try to go through and to get some people who are out there who have no clue what church is all about, to be able to come in in a comfortable zone and say, you know, we all have questions. We all have stuff that we don't understand. Let's just talk about it. And guess what? It's okay to say, I don't know, if you don't know the answer. Try it, everybody, at one time. I don't know. Ready? One, two, three. I don't know. Nobody died. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to kill you to say, I don't know. You can go through certainly and say, well, I think it might be, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have to try to come up with something that is totally inaccurate just because you feel like you need to say uh, something. So we're going to go through and I'm going to ask you um, <laughs> to get out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to ask you to form groups between four and six people. So if you want to be at a table, fine. If you're, you know, kind of scattered, then kind of form so that you're not talking to people's backs. So you might have to turn around a little bit. But get in a group of four to six people. Yes, you have to move. <laughs>
Tapio. <laughs> Tapio and Joe. <laughs> there we go. All right. So the first thing I want you to do is to go around because there are a lot of people out there who are like me. There's a couple of things I know I can't do in life. One, I can't dance. I have no sense of rhythm. Two, I can't sing. That would be devastating. <laughs> and three, people's names challenge me. I mean, I was a high school teacher for 43 years trying to learn sets of 30 names for five classes a day was really a challenge to me. I mean, and I, so I would assign the kids seats and I wouldn't let them, you know, move out of those seats until I was sure I knew everybody's name by face. And when I had to change seats, it was like, <sighs> a scary day for me sitting there going like, oh, gee, I hope I can remember, you know, everybody. So if you would go around in the group and uh, tell everybody your name and tell everybody one favorite childhood memory you have, your name and one childhood memory that you have. All right, go ahead.
Okay, when your group is done, if you do your table, just raise your hand so I know. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you about another two minutes to finish up. All right, one minute. I came from a family of seven kids, so, you know, vacation time was always pretty interesting because we had a, a station wagon, of course, and the baby would ride on my mother's lap in the front seat. Of course, there was no such thing as seat belts, let alone baby seats for kids. Then there would be four kids in the second seat, and we had a dog 
who really didn't get its nails clipped very often. So, of course, it was summertime, no air conditioning in the car, really. And so kids would have shorts on, and the dog would run back and forth in our lap because there was no place else for the dog to be except there and scratching up our legs. So that was not my favorite seat. I chose to sit in the very back and had space about the size of maybe one of the seated areas here in a chair uh, because it was me and one of my other siblings because we had all the stuff. If you could imagine how much stuff for seven kids you'd have to take. And, uh, you know... That was, <laughs> that was a real favorite memory. The only thing was, of course, my mother uh, would not allow us to sing certain songs because it would drive her crazy to have to listen to songs over and over and over again. So um, unlike some of you, our song that was prohibited was 100 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> You take one down and pass it around, 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Well, <laughs> my mother would allow that one time through, period, and then that was it, you know. <laughs> Where for us, I think, you know, that really helped to pass the time because that was really before they built 94, you know, these super expressways. When we went up to Wisconsin, it was Highway 45 till your eyeballs popped out. I mean, it was a different, different life lifestyle uh, back then. All right, so here's your next question. If you could ask God a question, what would it be? Let's just say he had the mic here right now, and you could ask him a question. What would that question be? And you might have two or three questions. So if somebody else in the group says your question, don't say, oh, he said that already. Think of something else, because I think most of us probably have a list of questions that we would ask God if he were here sitting down on a chair and say, hey, you know, I'd like an answer to this, God. <laughs> what is the answer? All right, so if the last person who spoke sharing their childhood would be the first person this time and just go around in the reverse, air, uh, reverse order and share one question that you would ask God. What would that question be? Go ahead.
Does somebody want to share their question that they would ask God? Because guess what? I bet you're not the only person in the world that has that same question. Who wants to go through and to share their question that they would ask God if they could right now? What, nobody has a question? <laughs> John, was that a wave to me? Yes? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, John. Well, this morning, you know, I, in this series, um, when I pulled it up, it, it popped up on my phone to start reading Genesis. And I've gone through the Bible at least two or three times when we've gone through the Bible. And you read stuff and you... And you you forget, but then this morning, that was stuff that was just popping out at me that I had never, I never saw this before. And then there's questions. And just good, you start asking all these questions because I had questions. And when he said, let there be light, he said, because that was light and that was darkness. He said, let there be light. And that was light and that was darkness. But later on down in the, in the, in the process, he said, I created this, this one light to, to rule a day. And that I was less light to rule the night. But that's further down. My thing was, Lord, what was it look like before you created the sun and the moon? That was my question. Well, it, it was dark as the beginning. But he said he separated, he made, he separated the light and darkness. My question is, okay, you got light and you got darkness. But now, later on, you said, I created this one to rule the day, and, and this lesser light to rule the night. So, before the sun and the moon, what did it look like? Good question, John. All right. There was chaos on the face of the deep, so it was water and chaos. Well, that's what I think. Okay. All right. Anybody else want to share their question? Everybody had the same question John did, huh? All right. Well, you know, it's, and it's fine to have a question without an answer. That's perfectly fine. What's not fine is to let that stop us in our growth and say, if I don't understand this, I'm not going any further, God. That's not good. <laughs> Some, sometimes, yep, uh, Don. <laughs> well, you know, when we don't get an answer... We keep knocking at the door, and that's where, you know, Paul also says it's so important for us to really, as Christians, we have a resource, and that is the Holy Spirit. And with Holy Spirit, we have that prophetic dimension to ourselves that the rest of the world does not have. And then we can say in our spirit, all right, Lord, 
if the if if I get a no answer or I have a question I'm not really sure about, help me be okay with that until I understand that. Because guess what? There's going to be stuff you just don't understand. I mean, how many of you have a cell phone? How many of you, when you get a brand new cell phone, can just turn it on and work it no problem? <laughs> Upgrades. <laughs> My husband, it's a nightmare if he gets a new phone. And I just tell him, oh, I don't know anything. You'll have to ask, you, you have to ask my daughter. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You deal with them. And then she looks at me like, thanks a lot, Mom. You know? <laughs> he doesn't deal well with technology and stuff. You know? But it's a, it's a process. And most of us have a cell phone where there's probably some things on there. Either we didn't know we're even there or... We just don't know how to use them, so we don't, you know. And so guess what? It doesn't stop us from having a cell phone just because you don't understand everything about the cell phone. How many of you use GPS? Do you understand how GPS works? How the heck in the satellite, thousands of miles away, they can track your exact location and where you want to go and where there's accidents and a storm or a road closed. It's absolutely amazing. But it doesn't stop you from using it just because you don't understand it. And the same is true of the Word of God. We may not understand everything about the Word of God. Okay. So someday we understand more than what we did the day before. But the, the thought that you're going to understand absolutely everything, not going to happen in life. And it's okay to say, I don't know. You know? And so these are types of things that people who aren't used to church, you know, when you talk to people during your week, you can say, hey, you know what? I was with a group of people on Sunday. You don't even have to use the word church if you don't want to. I was with a group of people on Sunday, and, you know, we started talking, and these were some of the questions that we came up with. You know, what do you, you, know, what do you think about this? Or is there a question that you don't have an answer to that you would like to ask God? Sometimes that may be a very basic question that you can actually provide them with an answer to. Or you can sit there and go like, hmm, I don't know, I'll have to think about that and get back to you. Or simply say, I don't know, it's okay. Because people, when they come into a church, think that they have to have all of the right answers and talk the right church talk because they're going to be judged on that basis. And what we want people to understand is, guess what? You know, the family of God is not about anything more than family. And it's okay if you're not perfect. I mean, most of us have family members that are far from perfect. <laughs> and so, you know, we want to go through and to make them comfortable so I want you to think about, you know, your last moments of life. You know, your last, last couple of moments. 
what would be the things that would be of most value to you, do you think, at that point? Somebody want to share an answer? <laughs> the things that would be of most value. Right, things. I did that on purpose, John. Yeah, things. Right. What things would be really of value to you if you were in your last moments? Nothing, really. No thing would really be of value. I mean, would you really hang on to a wad of money or your bank book? <laughs> would you really, you know, hang on to, you know, a piece of furniture, item of clothing? At that point, it'd be like, doesn't mean very much. But a lot of people don't really think about that. You know, and so, um, again, you know, think of what would be your biggest waste of time if this were your last moments. What would have been your biggest waste of time? Would it be today, Facebook and cell phones? You know, would it be um, sleep? <laughs> would, it, uh, would it go through and be your job? You know, so these are all questions that people can relate to. And if you say to people, hey, you know, just thinking, hmm, what would you consider to be your biggest waste of time? Or what do you really regret at this stage, at this moment of your life? Because guess what? If there's no purpose to life, then death, hey, it destroys everything anyways. You know? And so <clears throat> we really want to go through and help people figure out a little bit about what is the purpose of life. Why are we here? So if you would go in your groups and just talk for just a few minutes, you don't have to go around the table or anything, but what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? What's it about? All right, go ahead and share in your group.
another minute or so to close up. Okay, so, you know, as we go through an age in the world, we become really aware that life is a process. You know, when kids are 15, 16, what are they thinking about? Are they thinking about 10 years into their future? No, maybe they'll think as far as 21 so they can get served some liquor there. <laughs> and that's about as far as most of them are going to really think. However, as you age, you begin thinking in terms of retirement plans and IRAs and what about Social Security and my insurance and Medicare and all the rest of that. Your perspective changes quite uh, a bit. I mean, think of the difference if you were in downtown Chicago looking as you're walking down the streets of downtown Chicago what your view is compared to if you were in a satellite in outer space and looking down at the city of Chicago, which you couldn't even see, your perspective would be entirely um, different. So really, if we think about knowing purpose, sometimes that gets revealed to us in our journey of life. I mean, in my own life, I think of, you know, when I decided to become a teacher, you know, I was at the age of 16. You know, the journey of going through the classes and going through my student teaching and then 43 years in the, in the classroom. I have to say, when I retired, I knew better what the purpose was of my becoming a teacher at the end of that journey than at the beginning. Because at the beginning, I really didn't have a clue as to what it was really going to be all about, even though I thought I knew and I read enough books and et cetera. But getting in front of a classroom, you know, the book stuff doesn't always work, <laughs> you know. So we have to make people comfortable with saying, guess what, it's okay if you don't understand your purpose of life right now, but guess what? You know, when I think about my purpose in life, this is how I see my purpose of life being. I believe that I was created. I wasn't just an accident out there. I wasn't an accident because two people decided to sleep together and somebody got pregnant. I'm not an accident. I was created 
in love before time even began. I've been loved all that time. And some people never have that concept that they have been loved ever since before time began. That God went through and thought of us and created us with special talents and special giftings. And when we go through and look at our life, we have to realize that we are living in a broken world. (laughs) It's broken. God's plan, he wants to mend it. He wants to restore it. He wants to fix it. He wants to use all of us in that process. The only glitch is he gave us free will. And we can decide, wow, that sounds like a really good idea, even though it might be a lot of work for me, God, and I'm out of my comfort zone. Or not not going there, which is really easy to say. I mean, I have uh, a sister who lives up north, and her thing is, nah, I'm good. Just give me my can of beer. I'm fine. You know, and so, you know, her answer is, in the next can of beer. And, and they'll look at me in my lifestyle and say, oh, gee, in your retirement, you're lucky. And I'm like, Lucky. When I was up in my room studying and working my way through college, what were you guys doing? You were across the hall in the other bedroom drinking your beer. (laughs) And so you're still drinking your beer, but now you look at me and say, oh, gee, you're lucky. It really helps to know our purpose in life to have direction. I mean, would you ever, rarely do you hear people who just get in a car and just start driving? Driving, they have no idea where they're going. They're just driving. It's kind of like sometimes a a kid when they first start walking, they're going someplace, they don't know where they're going, (laughs) but they're going someplace, they think. God wants us to know, you know, what his purpose for us is. And it's that we have been created as great creations in love to go through and to do the work of fixing the broken world out there. And imagine if all Christians just got that concept, how different our country would be. Imagine the politicians if our government leaders got that perspective. The news would be a lot different today when you went home, that's for sure. And so, again, you know, we don't always have to know all the details, but if you know what the end point is going to be, it's going to help you along the way. If you're starting a knitting project, you just sit down and just start knitting with no idea what you're making and just keep knitting and knitting and knitting day after day? No. You're never going to end up with anything. So life is kind of like, you know, if you were going to go through, and this is for the guys, <laughs> if you were going to go through and build something like, um, you know, there was one point when my son was in Cub Scouts and there was a 
pine derby thing, pine wood derby thing, <laughs> pine box, whatever, derby box thing. And <laughs> um, what, what happens? You have to get all your pieces first. It helps to get the pieces first. But at the beginning, you put all the pieces out on the table, and if I were to come in the room and look at them, I'd be like, not quite sure how they all would fit in <laughs> together. But if you have the image or the plan ahead of time of what it's going to look like, it makes the process a whole lot easier. So if we think of life, because people ask about Jesus, what about this Jesus thing out there when it comes to God? And it's really the concept that he's kind of like a blueprint. How many of you know how to read a blueprint? Okay, a couple people do. Okay. So when you look at a blueprint, you understand either what the room is looking like or what the building is looking like or what the car is looking like. You have a concept. If I look at a blueprint, yeah, it's blue and some lines. I'm like, I have no idea what this is all about. You know, God wants us to understand what the purpose is. And Jesus is kind of like the blueprint of what his father is. And that when we really come to know him, we can look at the blueprint, just like an architect does. We could look at the blueprint and we go like, yep, I know what the father looks like. Why? Because I see it in Jesus. Only that's not good enough. Because guess what? It's supposed to be not looking at Jesus to just see the blueprint. We're supposed to be the blueprint of Jesus. So that people look at us, they see Jesus, and they know who the Father is. And they understand more about his love. Because every human being, we've been created with that empty space inside of us. There's something that's just kind of empty. And sometimes, you know, people become clinically depressed and so forth. Why? Because they feel like their life is empty. But God designed us with that empty space because he wants to fill it with his love. And sometimes, what do we fill it with? Stuff. <laughs> Right, And then when you get older, sometimes we fill it with, you know, drugs or alcohol. Sometimes we fill it with relationships or cookies. All right. <laughs> but, you know, we, re we need to know, yeah, we've been filled with an, uh, built with an empty space. Why? Because God designed us that way. Why? Because he wants us to invite him to fill in that space so that we would be complete. I mean, just think of it. Those of you who are parents, how many of you are parents? Okay. So the very first time that you hold the first child, it's amazing. It is an amazing moment. And there is something that is awakened in you as a parent that was never awakened like that ever before. And I know my son who's, you know, they had their second uh, child uh, like 10 months ago. 
But before uh, she was born, he just said, Mom, I love Delilah, who's almost two. I love Delilah so much. I can't imagine trying to love another baby. And I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> when she's born, it's going to happen, you know? There's just something within that just, it explodes. And it's always there, always there, no matter what. No matter how far that child is away, no matter if that child is living or dead, that moment is still within us. And so God created us to love us. You know, it's not because we deserve it. He just created us because he just wanted to love us, that's all. And sometimes we think, oh gee, God loves someone so more than me because of their looks or the stuff that they've got or what they've achieved in life. But those of us who are parents of multiple children, you don't love one kid more than the other. They're different, for sure. And their needs are different. But what do you do as a parent? You respond in love equally. And that is what God wants to go through. And to remind us, you know, that what Jesus did, he did on purpose. And, you know, we can go through and connect to him and have that emptiness filled. So a lot of people who don't know God or anything about God, you can ask, do you feel like your life is empty sometimes? And I would bet almost always they're going to say yes. And then you can just back it up, say, hmm, did you ever think about where that emptiness really came from? And probably they'll say, no. <laughs> and then you can begin to say, well, you know, I was talking to some people the other day. We were talking about this. And here's what we were thinking is the answer here. What do you think? And again, it's a way to be able to go through and to reach people out there with the truth without making it churchy talk. Because if you hand somebody a track, what's their first reaction? Mm, they might be nice and take it, but for the most part, you go to hand them a track, the door is shut, the wall is up, and really you're not doing too much more uh, than that. Once you get the door open, then you know you can go through and um, share. Because remember that when Jesus came, he came to go through and to pitch his tent with humanity. He didn't just come and go. I mean, he did in a way. But he intended his Holy Spirit to be with us forever, forever and ever. And that is that spirit of God's love. And remember that, you know, sin has a grip on society there's no question about it. A grip on humanity. I mean, we all have the coulda, woulda, shouldas in life. 
If you don't have Jesus, what do you do with that stuff? As you age, the coulda, woulda, shouldas begin to eat away at you, kind of like a, a cancer does in your spirit. But when we have the Lord, then we know that we know that we know that he broke that. That we don't, you know, we don't carry our past sins with us. Why? Hey, what did God do with our sin? He threw them as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't intend us to be carrying the baggage all the way uh, through life. And again, to offer somebody that opportunity to say, you know, you got the coulda, woulda, shouldas, yeah. Does my sister? Absolutely. Does it weigh her down? Yes, it's aging her for sure. But when you sit there and say, you know, I have something that can help you, kind of like a spiritual medicine, and that's the concept of Jesus. Because if you think of the power of sin and how heavy that is, how many of you have been around a cruise ship or seen them on TV? How big is the anchor? Huge. How does it get moved? It's got to have a huge machinery to go through and to lift that off the bottom of the sea floor. Well, sin is kind of like an anchor on top of each person that just weighs you down after a while. And you really can't move. You can't make progress. But Jesus goes through and he lifts that anchor of burden and sin away so that then you're free to go on and to be the person that God created you to be in the first place. Because guess what? The enemy doesn't want to see you as God sees you. God sees you as part of the plan to go through and to repair the broken world. The enemy wants to keep it way broken. But if we can understand that we are part of that master plan and that part of that master plan is not that we just stay as this many people but that each one of us in the process of a week we probably come across hundreds of people that each one of those people is part of the plan as well and the whole plan is going to work a whole lot better if all the pieces are in the right place and so that is our challenge. And so I, I would encourage you uh, during uh, the week to go through and to check out the website of exploregod.com, exploregod.com. And there are a ton of resources there. Uh, there's uh, a spot where you can put in the uh, zip code of 60031 and we'll pull up local churches who are doing the same program. Obviously, you can type in Epicenter Church and our, uh, we will pop up there as well. Also on the church website, all right, there is a link to the exploregod.com. There's a ton of resources, videos, as well as reading material to help equip us with different thoughts in terms of how to reach the hurting world. So that is our purpose of today. That is our purpose of life.
So let us go out and live our purpose. And so, Father, we just thank you for this time that we have spent together. We thank you, Lord, for your love. And, Lord, we just thank you that you have created each of us to be part of your plan. All right, Lord, and we just ask for wisdom, Lord. Reveal that to us. Each person that we come across in our week, Lord, we're asking and we're saying to Holy Spirit, yes, we're an open channel right now. Download something that I can say to this person to let them know of your love, something that I could do for this person to let them know of your love, and to extend invitations to people to say, you know what, you can come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, not 6.30, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and we're just going to talk about stuff. Talk about stuff. In Jesus' name, amen.